1: that beautiful interaction between where to play and how to win. So for a business partner, where to play, I would say, you, you need as a business partner, you really need to know where is value created and where is value destroyed or expensed in a company. Some great
0: words from today's guest mentor, Klaus turner And on today's episode, we go into this, as well as deconstruct things like his time at Lego. Where finance and accounting were transformed from being non existent to being a key player in the business. How finance teams can save 30 to 40% by doing digital right, particularly with the people element and investing in, in our people. Also, key pointers from PWC's annual benchmark study. And also, why companies haven't still quite cracked the code on business partnering. Now, as always, we put the detailed show notes, key resources, key comments, and ways to connect with our guest mentor on our show notes at sitnshow.com and we also really appreciate it when you recommend our show to your colleagues and friends as well as potential guest mentors to bring on the show like Klaus is one example I have actually known Klaus for a good while now and it was actually one of our listeners recommended we bring him on the show so sit back enjoy and over to Klaus in the show. So Klaus, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Andrew.
0: Hey, it's our pleasure to have you on the show. And, you know, you came to us via recommendation. We've known each other on LinkedIn for a while, but actually one of our audience said you got to get Klaus on the show. So delighted you could make it.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: (laughs) So some of our audience are familiar with you, others perhaps not as much. So would you mind giving us a brief introduction to your journey in accounting and finance?
1: I can, uh, I can give you the short version. So I'm really a finance uh, guy at heart. I started out in finance nearly 30 years ago. My first job was in uh, audit or public accounting, but um, I, did, I didn't really want a career in there. I sort of found out it took me a few years. Um, so I moved into industry. Instead, I started to work different positions inside finance. So I've been working in corporate finance. As a business partner, I've even headed up uh, shared services and sort of finally worked my way up as a finance director. Some of these roles uh, were with Lego. And uh, for those of you who have followed the company, you, you might know that Lego was in a lot of trouble in the late 90s. To be honest, before the difficult period for Lego, Finance inside Lego was really not a function that anybody p- paid particularly attention to. We were sort of just counting the monies that the business was making. But during the crisis, uh, things really changed, and suddenly finance became kind of the center of uh, attention. And no decisions in the company at all were made without involving finance. So that was a, a kind of a turning point for me to see what finance can be inside the same company but just over a period of time it really changed and I have to say that there was no holy cows or anything because we were in the crisis so everything could be changed and that's really why I am I I ended up from that experience I ended up becoming a transformation junkie I don't like things when they're just as they used to be I really like uh, changing and improving things and that's why I ended up uh, some 14 years ago moving into consulting, and so I've been consulting with a lot of great CFOs and uh, finance departments, Uh, and that's really my passion here in life. It is to help finance uh, become even better. That's the short version of me.
0: Yeah, it might have been a short version for you, Klaus, but there's a lot in there for, for our audience. And I've got a, a number of various questions actually come out of that. So so for me, like Lego sound like a fascinating um, experience to have gone through and seen that change. What was the b- business like in terms of responding to where they've gone from a situation where finance was sort of, I don't know, in a cave or non-existent or kept in a box to now being having to be consulted or involved in, in the key decisions of the business? I mean, how did the business respond?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a huge change for all of us. And it happened in a few years, really. So from starting to see double digit growth to actually starting losing money. And, and we, uh, everybody had to sort of face that new reality. And it was not just, you know, we didn't end up in a situation where finance was consulted. We ended up in a situation where we were nearly running out of money and uh, were in the hands of the banks. So any decision had to be approved by finance if it was any decision that involved uh, resources or financial or human nature. So uh, yeah, it it, it really changed. And there was a lot of, uh, especially, you know, being a fast-moving consumer goods company, there was a lot of marketeers who used to be able to explain why something was great, because it was great for the consumers for the children, uh, or it was great for the brand and the brand building and the brand positioning, which at that point was the strongest and best recognized brand among its consumer group. It kind of turned all the usual performance metrics and usual arguments upside down.
0: I have to say, look, I'm, I'm very biased and interested in Lego. Like I've, I've loved it as a kid and even into an adult uh, and seeing my kids use it as well. It's great with the video games now and the movies. So it's great that you were able to help turn that around. I suppose then from your sort of other consulting path and your transformation path uh, and interacting with CFOs, what, what is the biggest challenges that the CFOs you're talking with are facing nowadays?
1: Yeah, so it's, uh, uh, you can say, it's kind of two-sided. One is uh, about running a setup inside finance, which is uh, highly efficient. And then at the same time, running a setup, which uh, really is effective with the business. You could sort of say it uh, to do more for less. And we have some great examples where companies uh, just a few years have been able to reduce their cost base, efficiency, gains, with 30 to 40 percent at the same time reinvesting some of that into business partnering uh, so that they can do more uh, with the business and for the business
0: i suppose in terms of finding that 30 to 40 percent it's a it's a number so i have to delve into it i mean sort of what sort of things are they doing
1: i would say there's two two kind of levers one of them is of course digital we have some uh, great tools coming up. They are becoming more and more user-friendly and the price of them is coming down. I think we are all familiar now with robotics, but there are a lot of other great tools out there that actually make that digital transformation easier now. So that's one side. and The second side is really a people side. Uh, We can see that uh, when we ask finance directors or CFOs of what is their sort of top six priorities for making finance more efficient and effective, then actually five out of those uh, six top scores are all relating to people issues. Uh, And with the last one, the sixth uh, being the digital transformation. That's interesting that there's
0: a shift in focus to people. I would give, given the, the promise as well of these digital finance technologies, sort of any thoughts why that
1: might be, Klaus? Yeah, it, we have seen a lot of different technology implementations and what always happens when you have a successful technology implementation, whether it's ERP or BI or RPA or whatever, it always, you know, when, when you sort of gone live and started to harvest the benefits of that new platform, then the question always comes up, so what? Mm. What are we going to do with this new situation? And that's where I think some get a little bit caught in the spotlight because I've met a lot of CFOs who originally thought that digital finance was, let's say, the goal or the end destination. But uh, for me, it's just a means for finance to step up and move into creating real value with the business.
0: I like the way you said that. I sort of it's it's one of those things that sort of amplifies our strengths, but but there's got to be something at the end of it. There's got to be that so what. So I like I like the way you said that, there, Klaus. And I'm not going to let you escape from from answering a question on business partnering, which is a topic close to close to my heart yeah. as well. I mean, how do you think? I mean, in terms of general, I know I know your experience of a lot of CFOs and organizations across a long period of time and I think that's where I'd love to come with this question from is over the last I don't know 14 years that that you've been sort of doing the transformation or maybe even say 30 years of your career how how are things going for us from a business partnering perspective in your mind
1: Yeah, it's a strange one because it's a companion that has been there. Uh, I've even had uh, business partnering roles myself uh, early on in my career. So it's definitely a topic that's top of the agenda. But I also think in all fairness, it's a topic where we still really haven't cracked the code. We start to work with companies that are making an like, accelerated effort to uh, really make a difference. And, I, and, and, and it's definitely worth that investment that the companies are doing. We, we have you know, calculated payoff down to three months for, for, for quite significant investments in business partnering. But in fairness, you know, I think we have sort of everybody understands why we need business partnering. Everybody, by now, I'd say the majority, uh, understands what business partnering is, but very few know how to do it.
0: Look, again, this is a practical podcast, so would there be maybe any one or two things our audience could start doing tomorrow to to get better at the how on the business partnering?
1: If I should sort of single out two uh, things that would make a difference for a business partner, then there's, there's two questions you need to be able to answer. One of them is where you want to play as a business partner and the other one is how you're going to win. And for those of you who are familiar with playing to win framework and Roger Martin, then it's that beautiful uh, interaction between where to play and how to win. So for a business partner, where to play, I would say you you need as a business partner, you really need to know where is value created. And where is value destroyed or expensed in a company? So looking at how you are running a business and how you are changing a business. When you are running a business, you have like a value chain. Any business has a value chain and and you can sort of see where money flows in and out of that value chain. Also, any business also has, uh, every business has, uh, you can say, some strategic priorities in how they want to change business you can call them must win battles or whatever but for finance to be part of those changing the business discussions is equally important so i would say that's your where to play and then your how to win is really how do you as a business partner spend your time how do you make a difference and if i should sort of classify the way that you can spend your time At one end, we see business partners collecting data, cleaning up data, making sure that the quality of the data is there. Then they transform that into reporting and distribute that reporting. And also at the end of the reporting, doing some analysis saying, you know, this is up, this is down, or even some dashboard with uh, some traffic lights. So that's sort of one end of the scale. And all of that, you can comfortably sit behind your desk and deliver that. I think there is value in this and and, and it's a kind of a foundation, but the real value comes in the next steps. So the next steps is that you need to create some insights to your business stakeholders that they didn't have before. You need to influence those uh, business stakeholders with making decisions that are based on your insights or updated with the new insight from the business but you 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 know if you're just making a recommendation and nobody is doing anything with it it has Mm -hmm. been useless so you need to go to influencing your stakeholders so that they make decisions and then sometimes you also need even as a finance business partner you need to get some skin in the game You might even need to drive some initiatives together with the business. I have this story from a a company where they decided to change some of their, based on an analysis from the business partner, they decided to change their terms and conditions with their customers. And they had to negotiate those with top 10 key accounts. And the business partner participated in all the negotiations. And even because of some special circumstances, was the lead negotiator on two of the 10. And that's, to me, a great example of what finance can, or I would even say should do. Sometimes we can't just sit there and say, this is what I recommend to your business. Go and do it. We we actually have to go out there together with the business and create value together.
0: That's a great way of looking at it, I feel i feel you know there is a still a lot of value i think particularly from a foundational skills perspective in getting familiar with the data the reports the analysis that's that's probably what we would call maybe preserving value but then if you really want to go go out and create and then capture it it's got to be following up those recommendations with some sort of action to get to some impact so whether it's us driving it or holding the business accountable or being out on the front lines it's it's really far away from our case from 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 uh, sort of uh, at our desks, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's it's another end of that spectrum. But it shows that we can play across the whole spectrum. There's opportunities to preserve, create and capture value on the whole spectrum. It's just, there's that opportunity now, right? And people are seeing that.
1: And that's one of the, you know, that's one of the great advices I have been given also in my career. Do you want to sit behind your desk or do you want to be with the business? And for sure, there's a lot more value in being together with the business.
0: So, Klaus, thank you so much for for the the great insights there and the story of what we can go do. Uh, I suppose in terms of yourself, I mean, what's exciting you most about your current work?
1: It's this uh, transformation, you know, for financing. I'm really fortunate to part of a lot of great, I would even call them iconic projects or transformations. And and I think digital is bringing that new uh, opportunity. Uh, around also what i said before you know digital is not for the sake of digital it is just an enabler for business parts. so those are i think at an even greater force right now than they've ever been uh, opportunities are even better for uh, transforming finance becoming more digital and you know creating more value with the business
0: uh, and i suppose look you've, you've got access to data points on this i know we were we're talking around this uh, i think this annual benchmarking study that, that you do is, is, um, just maybe share some insights on that, that you've got early, early days.
1: Uh, yes, so in uh, PwC, we uh, we have been uh, collecting a lot of data from uh, finance departments over the years. And uh, now we have more than uh, 700 uh, companies in our database. So that gives us uh, a lot of insight on number of performance uh, benchmarks. And it's, it's collected uh, over some years now, a decade. And that also gives us opportunities to trend line and see what is actually the real develop inside finance. And there are surprising insights on that. So uh, if I should sort of give you just one, which is not a new one, but then if you are running an efficient finance department, then you need to be below 1% in cost of finance. I think that's Mm a known number for many people now. What probably is a little bit more surprising is that, that that seems to be the medium it's not top performer, uh, because top performers are getting close to half a percent mm-hmm. now. Uh, and in some industries, they are below half a percent. So uh, so 1% is, is a kind of the new norm where you, uh, where you have to be if, if you just consider yourself average. But we can also see the data for just for the last couple of years. If we zoom in on some of the areas uh, like management reporting, where uh, robotics has come along uh, and, and played a role for the last couple of years, or some of the transactional sites where robotics has also come along. We started looking into, you know, what kind of impact can we see based on the overall numbers in areas where robotics has its uh, two to three year uh, of implementation. And unfortunately, we don't see the result we, as we hope. There are smaller improvements. Some companies actually managed to get, 30 40 percent overall improvements mm-hmm. but uh, the far majority doesn't
0: I close any thoughts
1: on why that is that I'll have to base then on the conversations I have with the CFOs I'm not uh, you know meeting any CFOs these days who haven't got robotics or even uh, other you can say advanced digital solutions but there's a big difference between having you know done a proof of concept or maybe even having one robot up and running in a corner of finance. And then the companies that are really making an impact where they will have like a, you would say a farm or an army of robots and a center of excellence. And they're mapping out say, their totality of processes to see where value opportunities is to, uh, to drive down the cost of finance.
0: Wondering. Um... If there's like a tipping point or like some minimum efficient scale when it comes to robotics to uh, to get those those extreme, extreme um, efficiencies uh, or, or, you know, or is it um, I think we touched on earlier, maybe the people side of the equation as well. I mean, uh, does that maybe play into it a bit? I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts? Is it scale or people or a bit of both?
1: Yeah, there's definitely something about scale, but if we if we look at, at the people side, we can see that, that the majority of improvements or efficiency improvements that CFOs are looking for and where they expect to see the biggest effect of these improvements are actually, you know, on the people side and not just on the digital side.
0: Again, so some of our listeners are leaders of people. But, uh, is there any sort of one or two things they could probably do on the people side to to get better returns or... Uh, results from
1: RPA. Yeah, I uh, I just saw an interesting uh, comment here. In just reading through in preparation of this call, uh, some of the uh, you know areas written with small text in the report, and uh, and one of the points I took out was that that companies who are investing in uh, in their people, investing in upgrading their skills, especially on the digital area, but also on you can say the business partnering area. That those companies, they seem to have a retention rate on employees that is twice as high mm-hmm. or twice as good, twice as low uh, as um, companies who don't invest in people.
0: Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, like, so I wonder if retention's got something to do with it then in terms of it's, a, it's like an outcome, but in terms of if we're doing the right things and retention's good, then... In theory, it's it's, it's it's laying good foundations to get the most out of digital and the business partnering efforts. So, oh, that's an interesting one. We
1: are all familiar with that. When a company or a person invests in you, then you are more likely to be interested and stay longer or be engaged longer with that.
0: Well, you know what? That in itself could be a challenge for finance because, uh, look, I'm, I'm probably overly passionate about this. I just feel finance has this great opportunity to be a profit center, a lot of our leaders still view us as cost centers or we have to hit a percentage ratio of um of revenue or, uh, expense to revenue ratio and things like that i mean you know is that is that is that going to be a tough one or how to some cfos that are doing the investment how how can they get their mindset right to to make sure that they, they see this as an investment in their finance team's future and their ability to add value to the organization as opposed to a short term expense I think it's,
1: uh, there are different approaches to the different CFOs because some of my clients, they will be, you can say, focusing more on the traditional area and they will be more you know, focused on being able to calculate the exact benefit of the investment. And that's for us then something, as I just mentioned about the retention rate, that's one of the areas that really helps us. Uh, but I also come across CFOs who, who might have been working in one company where value creation and business partnering was uh, high on the uh, agenda and and really uh, in a strong place in the company. And they, when they move to a new company where this is not the case, then it's not, you know, they don't need any KPIs or, <laughs> or, or paybacks or anything mm. because it's uh, it's really deep within those kind of CFOs mm. that, uh, of course, finance needs to play that role. If not, then there's too much uh, value left on the table
0: no that's that's um that's a very interesting here klaus so uh, so look really appreciate all that advice you've been giving us uh, in terms of yourself what what's been the best bit of advice you've
1: ever received maybe uh, I'll, I'll be a little bit honest here and then this you know tell a story that i in my business partnering days yeah uh, i did uh, a suggestion or Uh, I was trying to uh, come up with a recommendation of uh, how we could change something. I went to this very important meeting, not just with my boss, but with my boss's boss. And uh, he was um, a very fine, traditional uh, English uh, gentleman. And uh, after I had been presenting my suggestion for about 15 minutes, he said to me, that's interesting. I've uh, never been thinking about this problem like that before. And I kind of went out of that meeting thinking, way to go, Klaus. You, uh, you really changed his, uh, his view on this. And then uh, after the meeting, my, my, my own boss, he came into my office and he said, he said Klaus, what, what just happened? I said, yeah, I think it was a great meeting. He said, no, you, uh, you, 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 it might be cultural or, or, or you might not be reading your stakeholders, right? But what he said was, your suggestion is useless. Uh, we're never going to do it. <laughs> and it learned me a lesson that I have. You don't know your stakeholders. If you don't know what's on their agenda, if you don't know how to build a relationship with them, then coming, because I was solving a problem that I thought was yeah a relevant business yeah. problem, but it was, you could say, my problem I wanted to solve, where I didn't know his problems and I didn't know what he wanted to have solved first. So a uh, learning for me ever since that has been, you don't understand your relation and what is on their agenda and what is on top of their change agenda, then you need to ask questions and not come up
0: with answers. So I think that's a great question to ask, you know, for an audience to ask of, of you know, are they doing the right things? Or, you know, are they really influencing and making an impact? Because if they don't know that, then what are we, we doing? That's a key question for all of us. It's, um, it's, for me, I just feel like it should be one of those things, like the first first bit of an accounting or finance syllabus you, you use that's what it's all about it's that's the purpose of what we're there to do is help people make better decisions on the things that matter to them once we've yeah. done that then it opens a door to maybe push some of our own agendas that we think might help the shareholders as well but yeah. um stakeholders too. So, so yeah, that's a really great advice, Klaus. Uh, sorry, sorry for your, your trouble to go through that, but uh, thank you for sharing the story though. Um, <laughs> you can look back yeah. and probably laugh about it now. So, so that's good. Yeah. Um, so would there be any maybe resources you'd recommend our audience go check out as well?
1: If I should, I could recommend a book. Actually, there is a great book out there called Create Value as a Finance Business Partner. Uh, Andrew, I know an editor of that book I'm also an editor. I'm actually the editor of the Danish version, <laughs> and I think uh, not just because you and I have been involved in it, but uh, actually I think it's uh, it's a great uh, book. It's the most comprehensive on business partnering out there. Christmas is coming up. If you don't know what to to put on the wish list, then uh, I I can recommend it.
0: That is actually I would say I second that, but I would say it's a like back to our point earlier. It's like an investment close. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things like that return over many, many years, that investment. So uh, that's a plug for the book, I think. But only
1: uh, if you do anything different. You know, if you keep doing the same as you've always done, staying behind your desk or whatever, then nothing will change.
0: I think that's your transformation side, though, kicking in, Klaus. You know, it's a that of better never really stops. So, yeah. True. So uh, <laughs> thanks for that. And, you know, should um, any of our audience wish to continue the conversation, Klaus, where's the best place to connect with you at?
1: I'm on LinkedIn. So you are more than welcome to just drop me a note, Klaus on message, uh, LinkedIn. And also, if anybody is uh, keen or interested in, in our benchmark report, uh, just drop uh, a line and, uh, and I'll share it with you.
0: I, I'm definitely one of those, Klaus, so I hope more of our audience. I'm
1: looking forward to that uh, mail from you, Andrew. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm on
0: which. it. Yeah, I'm on it today. So, yeah. so, Klaus, thank you so much for sharing uh, great advice with us. Um, before we wrap up, any any parting thoughts for our audience?
1: Yeah, maybe uh, just a little bit of you know what has driven me. I think hope that you can hear that I am truly passionate about, about finance. I, uh, I think this is... You know, my purpose in business is to help finance uh, departments become better. And then my sort of daily role or challenge really is to make sure that I prioritize amongst uh, the vast amount of opportunities that are out there. Uh, that I prioritize what I think is going to make the big uh, difference on my purpose and my passion. So uh, that has been sort of a little bit of my you could say, life philosophy that uh, purpose, passion, and, and the ability to prioritize. Well, what a great way to wrap up the show,
0: uh, Klaus. So look, thank you for, for taking us on that journey from all the way back to, to Lego, to the transformations, to the benchmark and the great advice around business partnering, the, the impact of digital and how we can perhaps uh, see better returns there, as well as from investing in our people so, so, Klaus, thanks for coming on the show today and investing your time with us.
1: Oh, Thank you very much, Andrew, for some uh, great questions and, uh, and a good uh, friend to talk to. Yeah.
0: So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs,